The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we're so thankful. We're thankful that the cross is spoken. And because the cross is spoken, we can know forgiveness. Jesus, thank you extra, I guess, that we get to celebrate together uh, your finished work on the cross, your power, your victory over sin. Uh, thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. You can make yourself at home within reason and go with that. I uh, Let's see, let me get organized here for just a second. Uh, when my parents had everybody move out, they decided, uh, we had grown up in Pennsylvania, they decided to move to Texas, and uh, there's still a little bitterness in my heart about that, and they went down there, and then they became cowboy fans, which is really hard for me to handle, but, uh, but uh, they started going to a church down there, uh, the name of it was the First Baptist Church of Eulis. And uh, at that time, this church, first of all, it was a mega church. Now, if you've ever been to Texas, the Dallas area, there's a mega church on every corner. There really is. They're, they're everywhere. Well, th this particular church, they had, and I don't know who does the surveys to determine this, but uh, they had determined that this was the most affluent, that the, the wealthiest church in the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. Uh, I don't know who does those surveys. We did one here, and we've determined that, that section right back there is our wealthiest section. So when we go back to passing the offering plates, it's coming twice, just so you know. Uh, like they, I have no idea who does those surveys, but, but it was not really arguable at the time. We would pull in on our Chevy Cavalier and park beside the Jaguars and, and um, have a good time go, going in. And I don't know if they're even in today, but the, the mink coats, man, were they ever, I mean, it's Dallas. It was, you know, 70 degrees. They're still under mink coats going into church. Uh, it, was, it was pretty nice. But um, my, and their auditorium wasn't ornate like uh, you think of the Cathedral at Notre Dame or stuff like that. But for a Protestant church, it was top of the line. I mean, everything was first class, beautiful. I mean, you know, the carpet wasn't as nice as ours, but it, it, was, the, it, was, it was close. Uh, but uh, the, anyway, my parents then came to visit us in uh, good old South Bend, Indiana, where their son had taken a job in a church, uh, the Grace Baptist Church in South Bend, Indiana, uh, and they came to visit us. And the first service they came to, I forgot to tell them because I didn't really think about it, but we met in a gym. And uh, I think at the time, our church was actually the largest Protestant church in South Bend, but the gym looked very similar to what our gym does. It had tile floor, uh, except it had this really dark brown paneling up around it and orange carpet, and the chairs were modern-day torture devices. They were really nasty. They'd bring out these folding, uh, not folding, but these plastic stackable chairs, and they were a little brutal. So I could tell my mom wasn't particularly enjoying our church service. <laughs> and at the end, I said, well, what you think of church? And all she said was, you meet in a gym. Uh, I said, yes, mom, well, we do. And uh, I don't think she got the full blood. The one thing that's cool about meeting in the gym, though, you know how when you get bored, you have to count ceiling towel? There, you can pretend to shoot free throws. Uh, you know, sometimes I'd get 10 or 20 in a row right there when I, when I got good and bored. But... Um, but the, uh, I was thinking about that scenario of mom coming and saying, well, this isn't what I'm used to. When the believers at Jerusalem first came to know Christ, uh, what they had been used to was going to the temple. 
Okay, and the temple was beautiful. I mean, it was, it was a work of art. Everything about the worship there, the incense, the, the ornaments around, you know, just everything what the priest would wear and everything was beautiful that they were used to. You know, even the way that they conducted the sacrifices and everything, though, you know, an element of goriness to it, but still uh, there, was a, there was just all this elaborate uh, decor that they were used to. And then they come to Christ, and now... They're meeting in Larry's living room, you know, sitting on a couch. You know, hey, can I keep the change I find, you know, like, like that. I mean, now they're meeting in homes, sometimes hiding to meet in those homes. You know, so this has totally changed. And what had apparently begun to happen with the church in Jerusalem is some of them began to look and say, you know, I kind of miss that. Okay, I mean, that, that was pretty sweet. You know, now I'm meeting in this guy's living room and we're hiding and it's not quite the same as what we had going there with the, with the musicians of the temple, with, the, with the, uh, you know, the priests and the robes and the decorations and, and the incense and everything. We don't have that anymore. And they began to long for what they were missing a little bit. So as we begin to jump in uh, to the book of Hebrews, I want you to understand that this is something that was written to people that... Maybe they had jumped into the Christian life and it wasn't quite as cool as they thought it'd be. Okay? It started off like that. Now, if you're, if you're tracking with me at all, you know people that have experienced that. You know, they said, hey, we're, we're getting into this thing. We're going to jump. We're going to follow uh, Jesus. And then eh, it just wasn't everything they thought of and, and they kind of fade away. Well, the writer of Hebrews, and let me mention that for a second here. Who is the writer of he Hebrews, you ask? Would you care to ask me? Who the, who? Dennis asked me who the writer of Hebrews is. I don't know. Okay. Uh, you say, well, you should have looked that up before you got up there. But uh, th this is one of those uh, where there is no answer that we know for sure who wrote it. It is a very different book because we classify it as one of the epistles, and it's in there with the letters. But if you read the beginning of it, it's not, it doesn't start like the letters. Like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, greetings to so-and-so, and I miss you, and those things. It doesn't really even end the exact same way with that personal note. So some say it's more of a sermon than a letter, and we don't know exactly who wrote it. There are different theories. Many people believe that the Apostle Paul did write Hebrews. And that the reason why he did not identify himself is because in Jerusalem, he wasn't all that popular a figure. Now, you remember, he had had a tendency to kill people that followed Jesus. Uh, so some people think he kept his name off of it for that reason. Other people, other scholars have studied the style of writing and believe that a lady wrote it. But in the culture of that time, uh, anything written by a lady would not have been read by men. So, uh, so maybe that's why there's no name on it. We don't really know what we do know uh, undeniably is that the church universally accepted this as part of the Word of God okay and we also know the theme of it which is the idea that Jesus is better or that Jesus is superior um, or that well we could say it like this Jesus is infinitely better than anything that we left to follow him okay I want you to memorize that little statement Jesus, that, as a theme of Hebrews, Jesus is infinitely better than anything that we left to follow him. That's the message that comes here because some of them are beginning to long for, hey, what did I miss? You know, what, what, what did I used to have that I don't have anymore? And uh, the writer writes to them and says, hey, wait a minute. Jesus, what you have in Jesus is infinitely better. So my job is to get to start to tell you a little bit about that. Before we do that, before we go to the first four verses of the book, 
uh, I want to jump ahead a little bit and just capture a little bit of the writer's heart, the author's heart. So in, in Hebrews chapter 10, we find these words, Therefore, brothers, okay, remember, he says, Therefore, he has just been writing to them, and he's been describing, well, what has he been describing to them? Therefore, since we have confidence to enter holy places by the blood of Jesus, since Jesus has died on the cross and made it so that man now can go to God. Jesus is that high priest. A priest represents the people to God. And Jesus is that one through whom we have access to God. Since Jesus has done this, since Jesus has established a new covenant, something we're going to remember today when we take the Lord's Supper, since he has done this by the new and living way. I love that. Okay, he so said this is what we're talking about here. Uh, that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, if you're, as I read this, you're thinking, oh, that's good stuff. And he's skipping over it. Understand, I'm, we're going to come back to it. It is, it's incredible uh, what is here. Uh, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Okay, let us, come on, come on. Let's, let's, let's draw near on this one. Let's, let's get together with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed by pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful see what he's saying we're wavering a little bit gang okay you're looking over there at the, at the temple i know it looks sweet i know it's a lot prettier uh, i know it's got all that going on but you're wavering a little bit let's hold fast and he goes on and he says this and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and as more as you see that day approaching. Now, when the Bible says that day there, uh, what it is, is talking about is the day of his return. It says, as we see that day coming, I don't want you to neglect meeting together. Now, this is kind of uh, interesting because normally when a pastor comes to this verse, he stops and he says, you know what this is saying? The paraphrase. The paraphrase is you need to get your caboose to church, okay? You need to stop. Don't neglect this. You need to gather together as believers. I say normally because, of course, we are not in exactly normal times as far as that goes. And what pastors are, I mean, I used to say, you know, come on. Or I used to at least always think this. Come on, you stay home because you have a little sniffle. <laughs> now I say, even if you think you have a sniffle, stay home. Uh, you know, it's a little little different. And, and each week I want to make sure that uh, those of you that are viewing with us online and, and uh, you've made that decision. I want to respect that. I want to honor that. And, uh, and I, I, I hope, though, that one of the things you're developing, I appreciate, uh, appreciate this, is a routine of a buddy who goes to church in Pennsylvania or doesn't go to church in Pennsylvania. He stays home in Pennsylvania and watches church online right now. But uh, he said, you know, every week he goes out, gets certain donuts, comes back. They, uh, he and his wife sit there. The two dogs gather around them. They eat their donuts and with blankets on them together and watch church. And I said, well, hey, good. At least you're get, staying in the routine of that. At least you're making th that a regular thing. Because uh, I think there is, uh, no, no, I know there is a concern right now among pastors that because of the last six or seven months, everything like that, there are some people that have so much gotten out of the habit of this that they'll never come back to church. And, and there's a great deal of concern with that. Well, he said the habit of some is, okay? That's the habit that some got into. He said, don't get into that. Okay? So you can expect that when the uh, siren sound and the... Uh, COVID crisis ends, you can expect me and every other pastor to say, come on, we got to get back. Because that, that's really what the message that he, that he has here is. Okay, now I also want to uh, show you another verse that is in, uh, in the book, 
chapter 12, which really uh, serves as kind of a theme for the book of Hebrews. And uh, some of you may be familiar with this verse, but the writer said, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the initiator, the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, our theme very much is going to be looking to Jesus. Okay, in fact, we are going to sing later on, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I'm pumped, I want to sing that too. Uh, but uh, the, the, uh, but that's, that's our theme right now as, 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 we're, as we're focusing on Jesus in the book of Hebrews. But I want you to notice there that for the joy that was before him, what is his joy? Well, what did he do? He despised, uh, uh, he endured the shame, okay? Uh, he went through that, this suffering for us, and now is seated because his work is completed and is done. But this is his joy that man will be redeemed. This is his joy that we will be forgiven. This is his joy that he will accomplish salvation's work. This is what he wants. I just want us to remember that so much. Uh, I'm afraid we often buy into the lie that somehow... You, we have this vision of God not wanting us to come to him when we've done wrong. Um, our dog is, uh, is normally a, a decently well-behaved dog. Eh, we'll, give her, <laughs> we'll give her a five out of ten. Anyway, I like that. And uh, it's kind of funny. Every morning, you know, when we leave, she just kind of looks at us like, okay, it's nap time. Go ahead and leave. You know, we're, we're, we're fine. Get out of here. Uh, but there's something about when we leave again in the evenings, she don't like that. And, uh, and she will, sometimes you can almost see it on her face, like, you're going to leave. I'm finding something to tear up. I'm just telling you. Uh, you can leave me during the day, no problem. But if you're leaving me at night, I am finding something to tear up. And she usually, if, if my wife has left any kind of a bag around or anything like that, and one time she ate, you know, six candy bars. Uh, one time she got into a bag of her treats and ate a bunch of those green dental bones. You know, we, we didn't know what was coming after that. But, uh, but anyway, but she, she loves to jump into that. But when, you, when she has done this, and some of you, if you have a dog, you know what I'm talking about. You open the door, and the dog has his tail between his legs, and it runs out. Uh, I mean, all you do, you just open the door, and she's gone. And it's like, and you can't get her to come because she's done wrong, and she knows she's done wrong, okay? I, I say that because I think for a lot of us, we don't, we miss the fact that Jesus, the joy set before him was to redeem us, for us to know forgiveness, and I think we listen to the lies of an adversary that are whispered in our head all the time and says, hey, you've done wrong. Stay away from me. And Jesus is saying, come back to me. Okay? Come back to me in repentance because I want to forgive you. This is the joy. This is what I came for is to make you right with me again. But a lot of times we miss that. Okay. All that still somewhat by way of introduction. And now I want to go ahead and get to uh, the first few verses, uh, first four verses, as we begin to look and whet your appetite just a little bit today for some of the things that we're going to see about Jesus in the book of Hebrews. Remembering that Jesus is infinitely better than anything that you have left to follow him. So the statement is this, last uh, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, if you read throughout the Old Testament, you see exactly what is being talked about here in many times, in many ways. God spoke through rainbows. God spoke through visions. God spoke through dreams. God th spoke through a burning bush. Uh, God spoke through a still small voice. God spoke through different events in life and different things that he had his prophets do, like in the life of Hosea, in the life of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. God has been speaking all along and giving us a picture 
But now it says, but in the last days, and I want to talk about that phrase, a very important in a second here. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through him all things are created. And we begin to see that this partial picture that you had of God in the past, now you are seeing the complete picture. God is speaking to us, has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. And now we really get to take a look at God. Okay? So, but I wanted to mention this phrase right here, last days, because the question comes up a lot. Hey, are we living in the last days? Uh, how many think we are? We are. Okay. Come on. More votes. Uh, how many think we are? Yeah, we are. I can guarantee you because they were then. Okay. And we're 2,000 years after that. But Paul said, uh, whoever wrote this said, uh, we are living in the last days. Now, this, this concept uh, and understanding what that means is, is very, very important to us. We are living with a tension. And, and let, let me kind of describe this tension here. We are living at a time when the kingdom of God has been established but not completed. Okay? We are living at a time when the kingdom of God is here but it is not fulfilled. We are living, uh, you know, we are living in the, if we want to say it like this, in the already but not yet. And that is frustrating. Because we sing about the victory. We sing about his glory. We know that God is, does all things well. And quite frankly, then we look at our world. And we see the hurricanes. And we see the fires. And we see the sickness. And, and we, we see the different heartaches and everything like that. And we struggle with this idea. So understand, and hey, you come to your pastor and say, Pastor, why did this happen? And pastor says, uh, like that. Because the answer that I have is that we are living in a fallen and broken world. Which God has really set in motion that redemption. He is really all, that, that work is done and is completed. But right now, you know, we're like, why? How long, oh Lord? Why does this continue? And we often struggle with that. And I think if I got an honest show of hands, most everybody in here would say, hey, at some point they looked at their life and they said, hey, <laughs> I, I don't get it, God, why? You know, why, why is it like this? And we live in this time when, yes, the kingdom of God and he reigns and yet it is not completed. And I sometimes am frust frustrated and want to say, God, when are you going to establish it once and for all? When are you going to get rid of evil? And God in his perfect wisdom, God in his perfect wisdom and in his perfect mercy says trust me with this um, the movie is not one that I can recommend wholeheartedly the entire movie but I often see this scene from God or not God Almighty Bruce Almighty where Jim Carrey is talking to uh, Morgan Freeman and Morgan Freeman has the part of, part of God and basically Morgan Freeman is uh, you want my job <laughs> you want to do this go ahead and it really helps me to you think of that that picture and think about that conversation because sometimes I jump in with that same thing kind of like God what, what are you doing here God I want you to put an end to all the evil well no not my evil and yes I'm very thankful that you waited uh, and in your mercy you allowed me to come to you I'm thankful for that but I want you to put in everybody else's evil uh, I want you to end all these things going on and, and when I don't understand it is very helpful me for me to me to remember what it means indeed the last days okay we're living in the last days we're in the already jesus has won the victory and not yet it has not been constant it, it, it's not an easy concept to grab i realize it's not easy for us to wrap our head around but it is crucial that we do 
because so often we're like, God, what in the world is going on here? Now, we're going to look at five different things, uh, first couple of them in this verse right here, just some things about Jesus that I want to point you to, I want you to grab on to. A couple of them we're going to look at real quickly. But the first one, you see there that he is the heir of all things. Everything is his. He owns everything. Let's focus for a minute on this idea, just that he is the one that has authority. And remember, if you take away a phrase, remember this, that God is never surprised by anything. It's all his. Okay? Please remember that. Uh, in small group, a couple of times, Becky Anson has said she just has to kind of hold on to that phrase. Keep looking at things and say, okay, God is not surprised. Okay? And I hope we can take that too and say, listen, I hope on Wednesday morning, Thursday whenever, months from now, weeks from now, whenever, stuff like that, we can remember that God is not surprised. I, I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of surprises. I've lived, uh, you know, in this area for almost four decades now, never once been to the haunted house over in Niles, <laughs> okay? Just saying. Uh, I know it's popular and people have gone for, de for decades. I cannot stand that idea of walking there and something might jump out at me. I hate that. I just hate, th hate that surprise. And my wife will not hold my hand and get me through it, so I'm not going. Uh, I'm pretty sure unless I am bound and gagged, I will never visit that haunted house. I hate that element of surprise. I want to know what's going to happen. I've told you this before, but a couple years ago, my father-in-law has purchased the NFL ticket where he got all the NFL games, and you could have that on three devices, so one of the devices was our TV. And we would watch the NFL games on our TV, but they streamed it, and it was coming in 45 seconds to, an, to a minute later. So what I like to do is I like to get my computer and watch the plays before they showed up. So I'm sitting there with the family going, oh, you're not going to want to see this one. Uh, or, oh, hey, here comes a good play. I can't wait for this, this one. They got so mad at me, uh, and I irritated them to no end, but I loved it. I don't, I don't want to wait. I, I don't, I don't want to feel my way along and not know what's here. I, can I encourage you to make sure that as we navigate this world, we hold on to, we lean into the one who is never surprised, who knows everything going on, Okay, if I did have to navigate the haunted house, I'd want to go with somebody who'd already been there and somebody who was nice and would tell me what's coming uh, and would say, okay, right, right behind this, guy's going to jump out with a chainsaw. Okay, then I could maybe handle it just a little bit if I knew it was coming. Uh, but my, my, understand as we navigate what's going on now, how important it is that we remember his authority, that we remember that he has not lost control. He's in charge. Nothing is going to surprise him. You know, I look honestly, you know, just talking practically with you for a second, and you may think I'm nuts. You may think I've missed the boat on this one. I have no idea what the results of this election are going to be. I mean, I, I try to follow both sides and listen to what they have to say, and I've never seen a situation where both sides are convinced they're going to win on a landslide. They are. And both sides think they're going to get a landslide. And maybe you think you know exactly what it's going to be. You have a gift of prophecy you need to share with me because i got no clue. Uh, what I do know is God is not going to be surprised. God's not going to get up and say, oh, stink. <laughs> I voted for the other guy. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not <laughs> God sent his absentee balance in, ballot in ahead of time. Uh, but, you know, that's not going to happen. So understand that in everything we have the Savior who has authority. All things are his. Okay, all things are his. Hang on to that. Also, in that verse that we already looked at, we see his creativity. Um, I've, have you been reminded of his creativity a lot lately? Man, the beauty that we've seen this fall is just incredible. Uh, I got a feeling that wind out there might be ending that <laughs> chapter in our lives, but it's been an incredible month just to see the beauty and see God's creativity. But I want you to think of this aspect of God's creativity. 
He is the only, he is the ultimate creator. Remember, Satan is the one that uh, can just twist and pervert the things of God because he can't create anything on, on his own. God is the ultimate uh, creator. If we face, therefore, a situation in life where we do not know what to do, where we do not have answers, I don't, I don't even know how to pray, God. I don't know what to say. Does it not make good sense that we lean on the one who is ultimately creative? Okay, honestly. So we're looking to him. We're leaning on the one who, is, uh, uh, who has authority. We are leaning on the one who has creativity, uh, leaning into, into him uh, as we see this great one. And let's look at the next verse here. Verse number three. He is the radiance of the glory of God. <laughs> okay, he is, he is the delivery system of God's glory. That's, that's pretty awesome right there. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. A third word that I want you to think about is the idea that he is illuminating. Without him, we find ourselves in darkness. Sad truth again, but um, if you think about it, uh, 6 o'clock tonight is going to be a little sad. Because <laughs> it's going to be dark already, or we're getting dark. We're not usually too fond of that. But... He is that source of light for our lives. That without him, we're walking in darkness. And the Bible says that he is the exact imprint of God. So the prophets gave a picture, but Jesus is the exact imprint of God. When Jesus talked to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he told her, he said, you know what? what you, worship, you worship what you do not know. And it is so important that we know him. How do we know him? Through the exact imprint that he has given us in Jesus Christ. A couple of weeks ago, Francis and I got to go down to Brown County. I mentioned that to you. And we took some pictures. Uh, you know, because you're standing there in the overlook and have the pretty colors and there's the rolling hills of Indiana. Who knew there were hills in Indiana? Uh, but I've taken the pictures and I have them. And if you would like to, after church, I will get my phone. I will show you my pretty pictures. <laughs> no takers. I don't want to see pictures. Now, to me, it means something. I was there. I saw it in person. And you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't want to, you know, but somebody walks up to you. Let me show you some pictures of this scenery I saw. Yeah, 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 that's nice. Okay, you know, looking around for who else I could talk to. Get away from this guy. He wants to show me his scenic pictures of his vacation. Uh, she wants to show me this. Okay, here's what we had up till now. The prophets are giving us these pictures. Okay. They've spoken in many different ways. God has shown us and he's given us the pictures. Now, now we have Jesus, the author says. We have the exact imprint of God. Now we can truly know him and lean, in, uh, lean on this one who is perfect. The next word that I want, want to point out to you. We saw in there that he holds everything together. He is the one that is sustaining he is the one that is holding this world together. As I said before, and as we are all well aware, this world is marred. Okay? It is sometimes, you know, we, we look and say, oh, what a mess. And, you know, there, there are some people my age who are like, man, what type of world are my grandchildren going to grow up in? Uh, some of you young parents right now are thinking, you know, there's a little concern for a world that is marred. It is messed up. Understand this, as much as it is marred, it is Jesus who keeps it from coming totally undone. 
The Bible teaches that, that he holds all things together with his redemptive power. Okay. And, I, you know, I got thinking about that. I think last week I was talking about that whole idea of, you know, life is hard, but God is good. And then you have the other T-shirts, of course, that just say life is good. And I could wear that T-shirt easy. Even in 2020, I could, I could wear a T-shirt that says life is good. And I can go through and look at the blessings that, that I have and look at the goodness that is still here in our world and everything like that because it is Jesus that keeps our world from becoming totally scrambled. It is Jesus that holds uh, together. And, uh, and, and because of him, we can still see good things. The other thing that talked in here is about purification or the cleansing and this is, a, uh, this is actually several sermons this will come up in, so I won't mention uh, it in too great detail today, just to talk about the cleansing work of Jesus Christ and that he, when he was done, the Bible says he sat down, having completed the work. I love that. <laughs> the work of our redemption is done. You don't have to add to it. God finished it. Well, you got to go to church, right? You got to do good deeds, right? No, wait a minute. Jesus finished the work of redemption. He laid down his life completely satisfying the wrath of the Father towards sin. Completely because he, came, he became sin for us. And said, trust in me, believe in me, repent and believe. And when we do, that's a done deal. It's over there. So we have that cleansing power to hold on to. And in a few minutes, we're going to observe uh, the Lord's Supper together. And, uh, you know, that's what we're doing is we're remembering that body broken for us. We're remembering that blood that is shed for us. But before we do that, let me uh, show you the next verse here, verse number 4 of chapter 1. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And this is a theme that we're going to see over and over again, the superior, superiority of Jesus Christ. The fact that without doubt, he is more better than anything that we could have possibly left behind to follow him. I really sense, you know, there's a, in, in preparing or in studying and getting ready for a sermon on Sunday morning, you know, there's a sense where it is just that, you know, you're gathering information. But there's also a point where somewhere you say, okay, God, what, what you know, God, would you please make evident, you know, what it is that is really, what's my God-given assignment today? And, Today I have as clear a sense of that God-given assignment as I ever have. I feel like I just want to point to Jesus. I really do. I, I, just, I just want to do that as we start that because that's what the book of Hebrews does so much is go through and, and, and point to him. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. That's the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I'm going to ask the guys to come on back up and we're going to, we're going to sing that together. As they, uh, as they get set up, I wanted to say a word about uh, communion, how it is practiced around here. Um, we observe what, what is called open communion. All that means is that you do not have to be a member of the church to observe communion. The requirement, if you want to call it that, that Scripture puts on it, I believe, is that uh, 
that you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ. What we're going to do is we're going to remember uh, the little juice in here, the little wafer in here. By the way, during COVID, our distribution method is kind of weird, but they're around you, uh, seated on a seat. I really hope nobody has sat on it. If so, Dennis will pay your dry cleaning bill for that uh, grape juice there like that, or probably buy new clothes. I don't think you're getting that out. But, um, but we're going to, in a minute here, these little cups that you have have a thin, uh, transparent layer on top that you pull off, and it reveals the wafer. And then uh, underneath you pull off again, and that's where the juice is. But this is something that the New Testament Christians did uh, as an act of obedience. And uh, they did it with the idea of, Jesus says often, you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember. And we need to remember constantly that our hope, our living hope, is in Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ. It's in the fact that he took on human flesh, and lived a perfect life. So we remember that wave, we remember that body that was broken for us. And it's in the fact that he laid down his life, shedding his blood as an atonement for sin, so we take the juice. Now we're gonna do that actually after we sing. So I, I hear everything being unwrapped, hopefully it won't spill in the meantime. Uh, but I thought it'd be just a great way to worship the Lord for a few moments and take our time. And if I could get you, <laughs> get a song in, there's two things I hope you stick in your head throughout the week, okay? God's not surprised. <laughs> no matter what happens this week, God's not surprised. Remember that. And, uh, and also, if, if maybe you just walk through life with this song in your heart, turn my eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And you know what happens? The things of this world, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, I praise you. I praise you that in a world that is still in the stage of already but not yet, where we wait for the day when uh, your kingdom is consummated, your kingdom um, is so obvious, uh, we thank you that um, your presence is here with us. We thank you for, for your spirit. We thank, we're thankful for your promises that tell us that you work things out for our good, that tell us that you uh, will redeem this broken world and victory is yours. Thank you, Father, for what we can hang on to here. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church. Or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.